You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Despite being a mash unit and playing people with numbers that start with 50, the Kings are still getting it done. The Kings are still very much alive, and I dare say the Kings are one step closer to the playoffs after defeating the Nashville Predators tonight. How are you, Vardy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm I'm dreadfully sorry I was not able to watch this game. I I couldn't watch it even if I wanted to, but it sounds like a lot of people were having some issues with ESPN plus these new Hulu Magic NHL Network or whatever they're calling this thing that no one seems to have consistent access to anyway. Yeah, it has been kind of a pain in the ass to watch these ESPN exclusive games. Um, luckily, there are many fine streaming outlets on the internet um <laughs> if, you, if you can avoid a few pop-ups or if you don't mind a few pop-ups some great stuff out there guys but i was able to watch from i believe hmm midway the kings were up three nothing when i was able to turn it on so <laughs> and it's so funny because you and i you and i joked that uh that the line on this game was uh kings minus 120 and yes and i joked that the odds makers clearly had not been looking at the king's injury reports jokes on me once again super sharp line once again from vegas i i was trying to figure out why uh nashville was on a back-to-back they've been playing playing a lot of games and big save dave was in that so so <laughs> i guess it kind of added up but but oh man what a good feeling to turn on a Kings game a little late and it looks like it's already in the bag. And that's how it felt today. Yeah. Yeah. And 3-0 is, uh, and granted it was early when they got ahead like that, but that's, that's generally a pretty comfortable lead. I would say, um, though Nashville, I think could have come back. It, it sure. just, maybe, maybe the flow of the game was not as such though. Actually, the second period like where, Nashville, where it seemed like they poured was, it on, they came back yeah, on that. Yeah, they were coming in waves. They were getting felt like they had the puck the entire second period. If I'm being honest with you, the Kings they really didn't do much offensively. But I also only remember maybe two or three times where Nashville was truly dangerous in that second period. Yes, they had the puck. Yes, they were kind of pushing, but the Kings overall kept them to the outside. They got a few good looks on Quick. Quick had to be sharp couple of times but outside of that mm-hmm. i mean the kings yeah yeah they did a good job and i and i tweeted out that I, you know it will be wise for the kings to make third period very boring they did not <laughs> in any no. way but but it went our way man six to one yeah it's nice to it's nice to get a win Granted, it's always nice to score six goals, but it's nice to actually get a win where the other team's not scoring at least three goals. I feel like uh, one of the funny things I've I've seen is some of the the goalie stats that have been coming up is that a lot of the wins, even though the win, the wins have been there, the goals against have not been particularly nice. You know, like we'll win a lot of these four three games, or you know, so it, I think. Now I can't remember exactly, but since our last since our last recording, I feel like we had. Uh, I have to look back here. We've I feel like we've had a couple solid wins in there. That's why Cal had the shutout against San Jose, and then now this one being six one. So it's nice to see some some solid goalie performances too. You know, Troy Stetcher's first game, and we'll kind of get into the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fine. I mean, he never popped off the screen in any way which is always good mm-hmm. i thought he was pretty solid he he made some very simple plays i thought he was good defensively very aggressive on top of the puck most of the time so he did not look out of place at all well that's good yeah. it is good considering we we talked a lot about the trade deadline and lot we speculated what the kings would do or not do i guess and it kind of went exactly how we thought it would from remembering our conversations um mm-hmm. 
I know the Kings were said to be in on a couple of things here and there, but nothing really materialized from an offensive perspective. So they really the the only thing they add to the big roster is Troy Stetcher. And given the state of the defense, it was a nice kind of under the radar, low cost. I mean, you're talking about you gave up nothing in this situation <laughs> to just get a body, yeah. an NHL body on the roster, like. I'm, I'm, I'm for yeah, it. The only thing lower than a seventh round pick is future considerations. Right. I mean, seventh round pick might as well be future considerations. I guess. Right. Right. Your thoughts when you heard about the trade? Flabbergasted. No, <laughs> um, no I, I, again, you, last time that we were talking, I was talking like, uh, I think Brent Kulak was the name that I threw out. He ultimately ended up going to Edmonton for, I think, a uh, a seventh and a fourth and a, and a prospect or something like that. It, it, again, not a huge trade, but I think Troy Stetcher kind of falls along that line of guy who can fill in the blanks until if, and when some of our hurt defensemen can make it back, which now is, is looking like a more open-ended uh, timetable um, sounding like Mikey Anderson's out for several weeks, maybe through the end of the regular season and uh, a lot of no news on on Drew Doughty. A lot of like, yeah, might be week to week, not really sure kind of situation. And so, not that I think Troy Stetcher is a replacement for for Drew Doughty, but I think, you know, I guess when you compare it to some of the other moves that were made, the teams that are making the big moves are the ones that you expect to be making those big moves that are going completely all in Florida, Colorado, like they're gunning for it and Boston. Right. And, and good for them. Like they should be the ones going for it. And I know you can always say like, Oh, never forget. They were an eighth seed the first time they won the cup. All you need is to get in. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that, but at the same time, like I don't get the sense that they should be going out and trying to get Claude Giroux or, or, you know, paying these ridiculous amounts that Boston did to get a Hampus Lindholm or something like that. Like, I think we can all agree that this team is not to the level of those other teams, both in terms of development and in terms of where they are at the moment. So I'm comfortable with making a, a low-cost addition like this that maybe gives you some more experience in the lineup and leaves the window open for for the team to potentially still make it into the playoffs. You know, my biggest concern is that they're so hurt right now. Are they going to be able to, to stay in the playoffs um, with all the lineup, you know, depletions that they have? Uh, fair question. Vegas golden Knights apparently all in on the LA Kings making the playoffs. Cause they are <laughs> yeah. slowly spinning out of control is the best way I could put it. It's You know what I think about this, don't you? <laughs> I might. I might. Go on. Go on. You want me to guess? Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing you love it. Deeper than that, obviously, I love it. But but why why is this happening? Well, I know exactly why it's happening. It's happening because they ripped the heart out of the team. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what they had what they had created in their first season through luck, through genius, whatever you want to call it. It's probably somewhere in between. They had caught lightning in a bottle with that group of guys. And instead of staying loyal to those guys in any way, literally any way, they brought in mercenaries. They lost the fabric of the team. And now they are almost unrecognizable. Now, granted, they have a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Believe me, if anyone understands, it's Kings fans. We listen. We get it. It sucks, but at the yeah. same time, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, like these are huge pieces. Absolutely, totally get it. Riley Smith, Alec Martinez, they're they're battered, man. Right. Uh, but at the same time, karma, if such a thing exists, and sometimes I do believe in it. I do believe in good energy. Let me put it mm-hmm. that way. Put out whatever you put out, eventually comes back, sometimes tenfold. And we also believe in having a decent pipeline and not trading it all away to bring in those mercenary players because guys get hurt 
And if you don't have NHL caliber talent to fill in those spots, that's going to hurt your, your team. But I have, a, I have a deeper reason for all of this okay. happening to Vegas. If you recall, <laughs> their head coach is a man who I despise. What? And this is the classic Peter DeBoer timeline. It's you come in, you take over a team that's doing well. You spend maybe about a season, maybe two, making people think that like, oh, Pete DeBoer is going to be the guy who's going to get him over the top. And then they start sinking like a freaking lead balloon because this is what Pete DeBoer does to teams. That is very deep. This I, is this is the Pete DeBoer effect. I'm almost embarrassed that I didn't think that you're going to go Pete DeBoer on this one. It always comes back to <laughs> Pete DeBoer. Which is funny enough, like he would be like one of the last people I would blame for this fucking disaster that is Vegas right now. Nope. It's completely his fault. All right. Pete, it's your fault. <laughs> I'd also like to blame Gary Lawless a little bit. <laughs> Sure, because he can have a he can have a, a little was, bit. He was taking cheap shots at the Kings when Vegas stomped them in the playoffs a couple of years ago, having mm-hmm. this fun, you know, t- taking some jabs. And I remember you and I got on a podcast, and we were very unhappy. <laughs> in fact, I believe the title of that podcast is called Two Angry Men." That sounds like us. Yeah, and I remember one thing that I remember vividly is how we spent like ten minutes talking about. Enjoy this while you can. Right. Because bad times are coming. Losing seasons are coming. Losses are coming. And listen, that's not a strictly a Vegas thing. This is the cycle of sports. Like, mm-hmm. you just can't be, I mean, we know better than anyone, right? You can't be good forever. Sometimes the glory years are like three years in our case. Yeah. And it's, it's going to come around. So keep it together. And I remember... Vegas fans, people who covered the team, Vegas Twitter were just so full of themselves after they beat the shit out of the Kings. And they did. Credit to them. Well, they're kind of at a loss right now either. They have no concept of like how to handle this. Well, here's the here's the thing, Vardy. They put Stone on IR mm-hmm. with the idea that he'll be activated for the playoffs, Correct. much like Tampa did to, for Kucherov. Correct. So they look at that and they're like, okay, we do this, we get Jack Eichel in, and then in the playoffs, we just let him run wild. Well, guess what? As of today, you have a 43% chance of making the playoffs, according to Money Puck. Mm-hmm. Kings are well over 93%. Just want to throw that <laughs> in there. And it's not looking great because now if no. you activate Stone, you're going to be over the cap. And that guy's the, the straw that stirs that team's drink, man. Well, and, and the best part is their attempt at getting under the cap has been <laughs> is under NHLPA dispute. I mean, it's just, it's, look, I, I don't generally take pleasure in other people's misery, but the schadenfreude of all of this is just too good. It's just too good. They tried to trade Evgeny Dadanov to Anaheim without realizing that Anaheim was on Dadanov's 10-team no-trade list that they had inherited from him when they traded for him from Ottawa. And now that whole trade is under NHL dispute or NHLPA dispute, and it might be nixed entirely, which means that Dadanov now has to go back to the team that wanted to trade him which might not have the cap space. I mean, it is, it's just amazing. It is just so good. Think of the bad faith moves the Vegas Golden Knights oh, have. Oh, yeah. Think of the things they've done, the sleazy kind of just dirty. Vegasy. Vegasy moves they've made, the flurry thing, what they did to Gallant, just. Mm-hmm. There was another one that I, that I keep forgetting. It, it was a Swedish player, I believe, that they 
that they didn't they didn't bother telling him that he was treated at the dinner. Right, 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 right. So, Something like that happened. Yes, yes. And he I had can't to hear, remember. And Mark Andre was it flirt? Someone had to walk up to him and be like, "Hey, man." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he came out on the ice, didn't he? Like, he yeah, came he out for warm ups, the and they're like, "Uh, okay." No, I guess no one told you that you're treated anyway. And now, the the Donov thing, like you said, it's just they've lost their way. And yeah, and they're gonna pay a hefty price for it. Imagine being a player on that team, and you're going on the ice every day, and you know what's been going on. You're you're already like it's building up. Management starting to look like a shit show. Flurry thing, the trade deadline thing, and now the the Donoff thing. And you're like, what are you thinking in that locker room? You're like, who the hell is running this place? Like, what are well, we even? I mean, that's all well and good if you're winning, right? Like you can always exactly winning yeah. winning cures all things, and so you can always kind of just come back to the idea of like, hey boys, it's okay. Points are still going up on the scoreboard, you know. But when you're losing and you're drifting farther down the standings, while all this is happening in the background, that's when that's when all the bad mojo really starts kind of circulating in that room. Such a shame. Such a shame. Self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. By this team. Yeah, because oh. right now their best chance of making the playoffs is, I guess, wild card. Honestly, I mean, the space between them and the Kings is pretty broad right now. It's six points with the Kings having a game in hand, and the space between them and the Oilers is uh, three points, but the Kings, but the Oilers have two games in hand. So yeah. and the Oilers are playing well, right at the right. moment. So meanwhile, Vegas is three seven and zero in their last. No, 10. they're in a tailspin. Yeah, one hundred percent. And look at their roster. How can they not be in a tailspin? I mean, realistically, realistically, Vancouver could pass them in the rankings. Yeah, which which is an insane thought if you think about how low Vancouver was before they had Bruce Boudreau as their coach earlier this season. Like the bottom outside of the first line, which is Carlson, Eichel, and Marcia. So, mm-hmm. this is just a bunch of dudes. Like Will Carrier, Chandler Stevenson, and and Nicholas Roy are their second line, or a wa. Right. Yanmark, Nolan Patrick, Keegan Colasar, Jake Lashishin, Fred Howden, Jonas Rongeberg. Again, this is what happens when you don't really have a pipeline. You just have the guys who you have because you've traded away your pipeline, right? Right. And and the the poetry, the Shakespearean poetry that Robin Lehner is injured long term. Mm-hmm. And now you have to go with Logan Thompson and Laurent Bressois when you had Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard as probably one of the best tandems in the NHL. It, this is hockey karma, man. Yeah, and, and there's no guarantee that, like, Fleury would be faring any better with that team in front of him. But certainly the experience of having... He would be faring better than Logan Thompson and Laurent Boursois. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. I mean, they just got back-to-back shutouts. 3-0 against Minnesota... 4-0 against Vegas. I mean, uh, against uh, Winnipeg. And now they get to face Nashville on Thursday, coming off a loss against us. How do you think they're going to take it? <laughs> yeah. It's and just, yeah. A- after that, though, they have a pretty soft schedule, if I remember correctly. Although, if I'm not mistaken, they have Vancouver three times in a week. Yeah, yes. something insane they have like a, that. They have a home-and-home and then they have a little Arizona game in there, and then one more time against Vancouver. And then they get to play Calgary and Edmonton. None of this looks good. <laughs> None of this looks good for them. The, the crazy thing is those five games you just mentioned essentially decides oh, 100%. what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny because I thought that their game against us was going to be... Um, yeah, a big moment or, yeah. or a big swing. yeah. And, and, it, and it felt like it was. It really did feel like it was. I mean, that was a that was a tough loss, but they 
you know, coming back and winning tonight and then having won the night before, uh, I think that softens the blow quite a bit for the Kings. Absolutely. I, I, I tweeted out that it, it, it all but negates that loss, I think. Yeah. Because of Vegas losing and us winning. Right. It just, it was all for nothing. I'm sure it was a big game for them, but yeah um anyway this is not a vegas golden knights podcast but correct and, and Sorry. listen we're we very much understand that nothing's done like they could make the playoffs absolutely like i'm not even and i and, we started and the Kings this could miss we that was what i was yeah. gonna say like we started this whole thing by talking about how i, I hope that they can stay healthy enough to make the playoffs because uh, you know they probably still have to play close to 500 hockey, maybe a little a shade under 500 hockey. We'll get them to 95 points, and that's probably enough to make it. Um, Actually, but, uh, Sinbin Vegas threw out a very interesting tweet. I saw that, like 0. .464 gets them the 93 points. Yeah, I guess he's calculating that 93 points gets you in. I don't know if 93 is going to do it, man. Maybe not, but, you know, for – Let's say just for the sake of this conversation, it's ninety-three. Right. Vegas has to has to have a winning percentage of sixty-five. Yeah. And the Kings need a winning percentage of forty-four. Yeah. And if you look at each team's schedules, and again, we said this like you can't just look at the game, right? And say, oh, these are two wins. Case in point, the Kings dropped two straight to San Jose, which looked like very winnable games and, and yeah but even even those i i remember we said that like san jose is always such a crapshoot for this team right i don't right. know what it is it's their kryptonite right and the kings dude their next three games are chicago and seattle twice yeah so i don't they, know if those are those are not easy wins but i feel like those are must wins given what happens to the schedule after that yes and i think if the kings can can get five or six points here. I know six is a sweep. Man, watch out. Because then, then they go into the Alberta double, and then they get Calgary and Edmonton again the following week. So those are right. going to be tough games. Um, but I will say, after that too, man, they got Chicago two more times. They got Seattle one more time. You're talking about the Kings needing to go 500 to for you to comfortably say they're in the playoffs. Right. It's there. It is absolutely there. They got Anaheim twice. Yeah. So the Kings are controlling their destiny, which is a great thing. You, I feel like the Kings have had better teams that had to rely on other teams mm -hmm. to do a lot for the Kings to get in. You could make the argument that the Oilers and the Golden Knights have already contributed graciously to the Kings playoff cause and I pre we appreciate it but at the same time the Kings are handling their business they still have to win these games and yes right. they're you know they're dropping the odd game here and there but today tonight's game is a great example of keeping yourself alive given the I circumstances mean, given how many players are out right given, you know given the fact that just a few days ago, Edmonton and Vegas were both within striking distance, and all of a sudden we have all this separation. Right. Yeah, and and you know I've heard that argument a couple times now that like oh they're only making the playoffs or getting close to being in the playoffs because Edmonton and Vegas aren't playing like Edmonton and Vegas. It's like well, yes, but for various reasons we've covered, Vegas is not necessarily the Vegas team that they that they were last season or the one before then Edmonton is playing honestly about what I thought they would be playing because their weaknesses have been their weaknesses and continue to be their weaknesses. So this is not really a shock to me that they're losing games here and there or that they had a bad run. Like honestly, that was pretty predictable as far as I could tell, but the Kings are now with a depleted lineup. They're still pulling out wins against Florida. They're Huge. still, yeah, they're still pulling out 6-1 wins against Nashville. They're shutting out San Jose after losing to them a couple times before then. Yeah, like a loss against Colorado 3-0, I kind of expect that. I think most people do. That 5-1 loss against Vegas, painful like we discussed, but when you bounce back and you beat Nashville, it evens out again. So I understand, yes, every team benefits when another team in their in their division loses, but 
it means nothing if you're not winning your games and and they are winning their games that's all you can really say for them is that they're winning games and sometimes they're winning games with a lineup that by all accounts should not be winning some of these games and that that matters and that might and should ultimately be the difference right where the kings were able to win games with a patchwork lineup right and vegas wasn't right and that's and that's because of their depth that's what i'm trying to say is that yes it's because the kings have stuck with these guys and they've developed them and they brought them up like are they showing up and immediately taking over and playing as like superstars no clearly not they're still growing pains but you can't tell me that watching jordan spence for example play the last several games that he's played that this kid is not going to be an nhl lineup fixture going forward like i watch him play now i don't see a way how the how he's not one of the last cuts or maybe even makes the opening night lineup next season i don't know what that's going to look like but you it's like Jersey. He kind of came out of nowhere. He needed everyone to be hurt to be able to come up and play. There's no way he's playing another game in the AHL. There's just no way. I know I said that once before about Curtis McDermott never playing an NHL game. <laughs> the reverse. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. But, you know, there's just no way. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded – Sean Walker over the offseason. I wouldn't either. I mean, that's that's sad to say, but like if you've been hurt and you've been replaced by someone who's more cost controlled potentially and you still have value, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. So not, not to mention there's a budding pipeline. Th- exactly. You exactly. Exactly. Like they've clearly shown that they don't need Sean Walker to play well. So the question is, does Sean Walker coming back next season add anything to this lineup or does it take away from the potential growth of another guy who can do what he's doing, but for 3 million less against the cap or something, you know? And, and to me, that's what all of these play, you know, like people talk about, Oh, they're just going to get stomped in the first round anyway. If they end up, matched up against Colorado or Calgary. I don't disagree with that. I think they probably will get stomped, but I think they make a series if they play against Edmonton. Oh, yeah. And even, yeah. I would and even love, if, I want, that's the series I want. I want Edmonton and LA. Right? Because I think the Kings can expose the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think there isn't much to expose with Calgary. And I don't, and you know, there might be a few things to expose with Colorado, but they're going to outscore their problems almost every right. time. Right. Um, I would love to see an Oilers-King series for many reasons. I think, first of all, when's the last time it happened? Right. You know, very classic. Very classic in terms of the Smythe division back in the late 80s, early 90s. A lot of series. Almost every year they played the Oilers. Even going back to the 80s, before Gretzky came to the Kings, every season it seemed like the Kings and the Oilers. Mm-hmm would end up matching up if, if both teams, well, if the Kings made the playoffs, I should say. Um, so it's, and I would love nothing more than to face Mike Smith <laughs> four to seven times in a playoff series because you're, you're always going to have it. And you know what? I'll throw in Koskinen in there too. Mm-hmm. Either one of those guys. That gives you a fighting chance because if you're going to, you're going to outshoot your opponent, which the Kings have done regularly. Mm-hmm. And the opponent has those two guys in net. You have a chance to steal that series. So I would love to see that series. Obviously, the Kings going up against, you know, the two of the best players in the world. Sounds like a lot of fun. I think I would love to see Drew Doughty go up against those guys in a playoff environment. Right. Because you know he's going to be up for it. And I and I think the Oilers might have the sinking feeling going into that series, or even maybe after game one or two, if the Kings take one in Edmonton or whatever, whatever the case mm-hmm. is. I think they're a fragile team, the Oilers. I think they would start kind of panicking and the cracks would start to show and it would be oh so much fun Yeah, to watch the rest of that series. I will say that the one advantage that I feel like the Kings have, no matter who they play against, is that they have nothing to lose. 
they are going into any playoff series. Yeah. Playing with house money. 100%. Because no one expected them to be in this position. I don't think they truly expected themselves to be in this position. And whether you win, you lose, whatever it is, I liken this to the the first set of playoff series that they played when Kopitar and Brown and, and those guys were coming up. They cut their teeth. They They lost. You know, Kopitar unfortunately broke his ankle against uh, San Jose, I think. Yeah, and, he, he broke and, it in the season, but yes, going into the right, 2011 right, but, playoffs. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But like, it, and this definitely has shades of that, you know, with injuries kind of riding into the playoffs when the team was doing well. And and yeah, maybe maybe they do show up and no matter who they're playing against, they get stomped. That's fine. You make the playoffs and this is... Honestly, even if you don't make the playoffs, this has been a successful season, but if you make the playoffs and you give these guys a chance to get some experience in that atmosphere in, against any one of those teams, like going into that barn, going into Edmonton, Calgary, Colorado, any one of those arenas during a first-round playoff series, that is, there is no other way to replicate that kind of experience. You have to have that feeling. You have to know what it feels like to play in that type of atmosphere and what it takes to win and what it feels like to lose in that type of atmosphere. That's how you develop a team. Well said. Thank you. I say things, I say things sometimes. You do. I agree with you. Um, it's been a while, man. It, you know, in 2018, it had been four years. No, I take that back. I, I forget that in 2016, we actually made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. San Jose just curb stomped us. But it had been some time. And I remember just being excited that, hey, I miss playoff hockey. Now you're looking at, it's been four years. Totally different team. Totally different team. Totally different structure. Like, it's not, it just feels different. And I would love to see these guys, like you said, get that experience. I would love to see... The older guys get one more shot at it. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully not just one more, but another shot at it. Curious to see how they respond, these older guys specifically. Like, if you're in that atmosphere, do you, you know, lean on your experience and, and take it to another level and show, hey, I've been here. I've been places no one else on this ice has been. I agree, man. I, th I think we have the benefit of having a couple of the most committed gamer kind of guys on our team provided Dowdy's healthy and, and quick is quick. Like, you know, th those are the types of guys that I think that you stare across at them across the ice and they just have this look in their eye of like, you have, you have no idea what it's going to take to win this game, but I do. And I guarantee you that Drew will remind them of that constantly out there. And that's, that's good enough for me. Honestly, that's good enough for me. Like, make it to the playoffs. It's just a totally different level when you're watching the team that you love in the playoffs versus just trying to get amped up for random playoff hockey, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or even amped up for, you know, a March 1st game on a Wednesday night. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a different animal. And it's, and it's the most fun thing you could do as a fan. Right. Other than watch them win two cups live. <laughs> um, we briefly touched on the trade deadline. Can I ask you, backing it up a little bit, what were some of the trades that you thought were worthwhile and notable? Um, I'm, give me a second to pull it up because yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there was a bunch. I think there was like there was so many minor transactions um, that yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to go down the list and see if anything catches my eye. Sure. I'm sure it will, but um, here, I'll pull it up too while we're at I thought, it. I'm just going to go through them essentially. Like, yeah, go for it. Like I, I thought Pittsburgh getting Raquel was interesting. He's mm -hmm. had a couple of rough seasons. So have the ducks obviously, but at the same time, you just, it's like one of those trades where you're like, it's probably going to work. 
Yeah, Pittsburgh's one of those teams that just makes it work, right? Like they picked up Carter last right. year from us for next to nothing, and now he's like their three C fixture. Yeah, um, I loved Colorado's moves, and and like how deep can you be? It's just like how deep can you get? Yeah, and that that question came up a few times, right? Like the rich kind of getting richer, and <laughs> yeah, and when does it kind of start going the other way for you? Are you you know, too deep? Like, is Andrew Cogliano, like, is he, where does he play? Yeah. Arturi Lekkinen, where is he going to be on your fourth line? It's, it's such a deep team now. And it just, mm-hmm. and, and the surprising thing, I think, I really thought they were going to get a goalie. Mm. But at the same time, to have a true upgrade on Darcy Kemper, you would have to go and get, Basically, flurry. I, I mean, I don't know who else was out there that could be considered an upgrade on Darcy Kemper. I don't know who else moved goalie wise, but I remember flurry well, obviously to Minnesota was the big one. Um, the Devils got Andrew Hammond <laughs> for some reason. And you have made my point. Yep. And um, then, uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was gonna say Capo Kakinen, uh going to San Jose. I was. I am flabbergasted that Edmonton didn't get this guy. Right. You're talking. He hasn't. He, he hasn't been playing well though, and. I understand, but you cannot. There's no one walking this earth that could tell me that he is not an upgrade on their two goaltenders. Yeah. Because at least I know he can go. He can get hot. Mm-hmm. At some point. So I'm just. I don't know. I was really surprised at the Oilers not getting. They got you know. Derek Broussard, okay. Um, they went out. Dallas and got, got Wedgwood. <laughs> Dallas picked up Wedgwood for a bro. Fourth. Scott Wedgwood is better than gold than the two goalies that they have. <laughs> in Ed- I am not. There's there's no way anyone can convince me otherwise. Uh, Giordano going to Toronto. That was. It's a nice little move. It's a nice little move because it gives you that raw raw thing, right? Winning for the old guy. Right narrative, even though they've had that before and hasn't worked very well for them. Well, Giordano is still like a easily contributing defenseman. Oh yeah, you know yeah. he should be on most teams' top four. Right. Like, yeah. Um. And then Giroud to Florida. Yeah, yeah, for much cheaper than most people would expect, and this is I've read a few articles as to why this is, and and. Basically, most of it lays the blame at Chuck Fletcher, like setting this up to be a bad trade right from the get go because there was just so much chatter out there that he was going to get. Yeah, basically, like it was just like it's so obvious he's going to get moved. But I mean, well, also, yeah, go on. He had he only wanted to get get traded to Florida. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He basically like Fletcher more or less told him that like you get to go wherever you want. Yeah. And so when they end up getting Owen Tippett, who I remember him coming in and being heralded as having a lethal shot and ability to finish, clearly that hasn't come to pass yet. I don't know if there's time anymore for that to happen. And then a first and a third. For a team like Florida that's going all in, that is nothing for for the rental of Claude Giroux. And a bunch of other guys to make the contracts work, basically. Like, they actually got a fifth-round pick back in that deal, too. It's just crazy to me. And they retained 50%. Right. It's just, it's... Yeah. But where do you stick him, right? Like, that that team is so deep, like... I'm sure they'll find a place. You you, you know, you find room for Claude Giroux, but I'm just saying, like... He's probably going to be playing the wing yeah well they're gonna put him on first line wing actually is that right is that yeah, the plan he's with Verhage and barkov nasty they had um i don't know who they had up there uh maxim mammon maybe mm-hmm. and he's now down on the fourth line so they got like god they're good they are so good colorado by the way i i forgot to even mention they got josh manson Mm-hmm. I've never loved, and I've always right. But they got him earlier, a couple of days before the deadline, yeah. right? I've never 
really been crazy about that guy. But again, when you put him on a team like Colorado, where he's like the fifth best defenseman they have, right? That's a different look than on Anaheim. And all you heard for years was like Josh Manson, top right. pairing guy. And wait till uh, Byram and Gerard are healthy. That has to be the best defense in the NHL. Is Byram coming back? I know I really haven't heard anything about his his situation. I'm not sure what the timeline is, um, but I do know that I would be shocked if he's not in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think everything they're doing is precautionary for the playoffs. Yeah. So that would give you Dev, uh, Devon Taves, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, Bowen Byram, Josh Manson, Ryan Murray, Jack Johnson, Eric Johnson. You got to play six of those guys. Jesus. Uh, so that's going to be good. They're going to be okay. They'll be fine. Looks like Curtis McDermott might be out of a job if Arturi Lekkinen is is going to play like fourth line wing. Yeah. You know, it's a nice little deal that I, I kind of like is uh, Carolina getting Max Domi. That is a nice little you know, because you don't need him as on your top two lines necessarily. If you're Carolina, you're so deep. But that is a great little third line, second power play, middle six addition. I, I like that. For a team that's humming along nicely, that's a, that's a nice little deal, I think. Yeah. Uh, Calgary, although I don't think it, these were Yarn Yarncroft? Yeah. They got to Foley already, which right works for them. Uh, <laughs> Cal Yarn Yarncroak, like you said, this man, this team. Uh, the only again, the only thing that worries me about Calgary is their is their defensive personnel, not their team defense. Not defensively, I think they're second best in the NHL in, in goals against. So it's not mm-hmm. like, that's a big problem. But I thought they might want to get. Some someone in there, some, yeah. someone else in there because, you know, Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, um, Tanev, Zadorov, Gobranson. These aren't rocks back there. Yeah, but a guy like that is going to cost you a lot, and I I kind of prefer well, not prefer I have no preference one way or the other, but I like Florida went after Sherratt and they got him and they brought him down for like a prospect of first and something else. And it's just, does that really move the needle or do you, do you go all in on like a Hampus Lindholm? Does that really move the needle all that much? I don't know. I think they're, they're comfortable with where they're at. So certainly some some big teams, man, heavyweight battles coming up with a lot of these teams, like, you know, Tampa's still great. (laughs) Tampa is the type of team that they're just waiting for the playoffs at this point. I think they're mm-hmm. they're bored. They've lost. They have not been playing well. Um, they on they were on a four game losing streak, I believe. They won a couple. Then they lost to Carolina today. They they're not engaged. Mm-hmm. But I think top to bottom, they're still the best team in hockey. I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard when you've been so successful for so many seasons in a row. It's, it takes a lot of, you know, takes a lot out of you. But yeah, every position they've got a superstar, basically. And they have the one thing that Florida, Colorado don't, and that's an elite goaltender. Right. Toronto doesn't have this. Calgary does, but Markstrom can be weird too sometimes. Well, not, no one has the playoff pedigree of Vasilevsky and the ability, right? Like that's, again, this comes down to experience, ability. My big issue with them or not even issue. My concern for them is more fatigue. Like it's, it's a lot of games, man. It's a lot of games in a short period of time too. Right. And, and heavy is the head that wears the crown. And so it's, you know, you're going to be, they're going to put you through some stuff and these are going to be some fun series. I think if it's them in Toronto in the first round, man, those are fun. Those are yeah. fun 
that'll be fun. They got Brandon Hagel too. We didn't talk about that. That's a nice yeah, 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 yeah. Nice little, nice little... to their top six. Right. Puts everyone in their kind of in their place. Mm-hmm. Let's thoroughly drop down. Just depth, man. The depth is so important for these teams. Just so so important for these teams. And these are just every one of these. I'm trying to get a sense of what these matchups might be, and they're just going to be nasty. <laughs> just going to be nasty, nasty games on the East Coast. Yeah, I hope it's I hope it's Tampa and Toronto. Hmm. Tampa Toronto would be fun. That would be a very fun series. Uh, if 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 the playoffs started today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would be Tampa and Toronto. It would be Pittsburgh and and the and the Rangers. Um, it would be Boston. Well, don't look now, but Carolina's right there with Florida. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. So all good yeah, series I think, anyway. Yeah, if it's Carolina, Boston, or Carolina, Washington. Yeah, East is going to be good. And the West, the Central is still kind of sorting itself out. Uh, As usual, the West is a dogfight. Yeah. And a very different kind. The East Coast, I feel like it's more of a offensive juggernaut kind of like highlight real goal scoring caliber kind of stuff. But I feel like the West is more down in the trenches kind of yeah, play. It's more like short more- of war of attrition yeah short of maybe colorado right like colorado i feel plays a bit more like the east coast powerhouse teams that we just talked about i feel like every other team is much happier grinding it out and and getting their wins that way right like no i don't think anyone's circling st louis versus minnesota as as a as a series that's going to lead to a lot of lasting highlights Although Minnesota's opened it up quite a bit. They have, but that's still, you know, it's. Yeah, it's still, it's still St. Louis and Minnesota. Right, right. So I know what you mean. Yeah. No one's expecting exciting hockey, I guess is what I'm saying. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm expecting a lot of like 6-4 scores and stuff like that. Yeah. Man, I, I, I almost wish Vegas and Winnipeg would be where Nashville and Dallas are right now. Mm. Just, ah, God, I don't like watching Dallas play. It's, it is the worst <laughs> watching that team play, man. They are so boring. And, like, who wants to see Dallas and Colorado? Wouldn't you rather see Winnipeg and Colorado? Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's all, you know, going in the same way, same direction, but Right, would, you, you know, or or Vegas and Colorado, with like the revenge on Colorado's mind, and you just come out and it's a blood. Like, I like narratives. There's just are, nothing. So are are we reversing our tune here, and now we're rooting for Vegas to make the playoffs, just <laughs> just so they can play Colorado in the first round? I think I would prefer. Yeah. That Vegas misses the playoffs. If I'm being yeah. honest, but if there's if I put my personal karmic hatred aside, mm-hmm. yeah, who who doesn't want to see, you know, number one Colorado play number eight, I guess, yeah. in theory, Vegas. Yeah. We're on the ropes, on their heels, and just, you know, we know Colorado's going to come out and just right smash them. It's tough. <laughs> do you want to see Vegas make it and get smashed? Right. Or, or do you want to get them, like, Watching from the outside and being sad, and and saying, mm. "Hey, well, if only we were healthy, and if we yeah, really yeah, yeah, it. yeah, that's tough. That is yes. tough." Ah, uh, oh, hey, I saw Batman. You did. It was, it was good. You told me. <laughs> yeah, I hope I didn't spoil anything, but I think I. Oh, sorry, sorry, everyone. This is our little five-minute movie tangent yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part two of the conversation from last last week. This is where you hit the skip button. 30 seconds at a time until we get back to hockey. Yeah. Um, thoughts other than it was good. Uh, I really loved the first 30 to 45 minutes of it. 
I liked how it jumped right into it. There was no. No pearls. No, it it just, it was like, <laughs> it was basically the DC logo and it just said Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and then we we're off and running. And, uh, I, it, it really engaged me. It got me like right into that mindset of what's going on and the atmosphere of the movie. Uh, lots of stomp walking <laughs> through the shadows. Uh, but I thought it was really well done. Probably could have trimmed off. We talked about this too, like 20 minutes of it and made it a bit tighter. I thought it, I, I thought it dragged a little bit in the middles. Um, but very, I, I enjoyed it very much and uh, excited to see what direction they go clearly because they're building another, I don't know, trilogy, quadrilogy. I don't know what their, what their long-term plan is with this, but seeds strewn about everywhere as to where it's going to go next. So that's good. Yeah. I, you know, we could sit here and nitpick, but overall I think it's, it's a hell of a first entry into whatever this is yeah. going to be. I think it's, you know, I, I compare it to the dark Knight, but really you should, the real comparison should be to Batman begins mm -hmm. because it's a director's first attempt. It's the first story. And I can't imagine well, I shouldn't say that, but I imagine the the sequel has the potential to be even better. Yeah. Now that they kind of got their feet wet and I'm sure they, they learned things and right. I'm sure they'd want to change things, but I'm I'm excited to see where they go with it. Right. And the and the tone of it is gonna change. I mean you, you see Batman's evolution as a person and Bruce Wayne's evolution as a person throughout the movie, and so you know the tone is going to be a bit different for the second one so that's uh that's kind of nice i think it's going to be interesting to see question oh yes did you just have the soundtrack in your head on repeat after you watched the movie sort of because i kept at least the main the main theme yeah yeah <laughs> but the problem is that it sound it kept like my brain was like playing tricks on me a little bit where I was listening to it and I was trying to pull it, you know, like focus on what the music sounded like. And no matter how much I tried to hum it back in my head, it kept going back to either the the Dark Knight soundtrack and then pulling. And I was like, no, 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 that's not it. And I'd pull back and then I'd be like, oh, no, wait, it goes like this. And then I find myself humming the original Batman <laughs> tune. So it just kept going back and forth. And then somewhere in the middle, there was there was the actual, you know, right. tune. By the way, there's a. On Spotify, there are like some great creative people, whatever. But someone made a, someone named Samuel Kim made like something he calls the Batman theme, epic version, where he took the Danny Elfman score, the Hans Zimmer mm -hmm. score, and this new score and made it into one song. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> like, I can't even, <laughs> I don't even know how to. So basically, he took what I hear in my head and put it on Spotify. The, but the interesting thing is, like, the tempo and the rhythm of all the songs are it's the same. It's are very similar. So it, it's almost like a seamless, right, orchestral weaving. That's what my head was doing. Yeah. Did you make this song that I'm talking about? I am Samuel Kim. <laughs> okay, good. It's my pen name. But you should definitely listen to it. It's I pretty, will. I definitely will. It's pretty great. Um. Yeah. Uh. Back to hockey. Batman takeover. Um. Unless you had something else. No. No. That was it. I was actually gonna just. I think we've been going for a little bit here. I think we talked about everything we wanted to. Is there anything else you want to bring up? Uh. Just a shout out to Rasmus Kupari for playing what was probably his best NHL game against Nashville. Tonight. Solid. He was all over the ice. Um. Byfield had three points, but I feel like. You know. Kupari only had an assist, but I feel like he, he was all over the ice. Yeah. That second byfield goal where it was a borderline empty netter was all Kupari's forecheck. Byfield's first goal, um, just a great play. So good to see. Obviously, it's one game. We're not going to crown him right now, but it's good to see that it's a depth. It's what you mentioned, man. If you have the depth, or at least have the potential for depth, when guys go out like this, 
and randomly on you know a Tuesday, random uh, random Kupari, Rasmus <laughs> Kupari decides that. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have the game of his life. I think life. we have a new nickname. <laughs> uh, random Kupari. So every time he has a great game out of nowhere, oh, that's good. We're gonna say it's the return of Random Kupari. <laughs> uh, see, this is this is how great organic nicknames are born. <laughs> so good. All right. We uh we previewed this last last week. Episode 82 belongs to the one the only Marty Straka, the there only it is. number 82 in Kings history. Correct. Year. Correct. I remember being relatively excited when the Kings got him. I always felt like his helmet was entirely too big and his jersey was entirely too big. Yeah. It was a weird look. Not the greatest memories as a king pretty sure we missed the playoffs yeah after that big deadline acquisition i distinctly remember did we end up going to this first game after he was traded or one of the first games after he was traded to the kings i distinctly remember going to that game and for whatever reason this sticks out of my head but i remember as we were walking in hearing some other fans talking to each other and someone trying really, really hard to get excited for Marty Straka because of Ziggy Palfi. <laughs> Going yeah. like, he, he it's exactly like getting Palfi, bro. And I was like, it's not, nope, nowhere near that. Not but quite. I, I distinctly remember hearing that as we were walking into the arena and I was like, Boy, that guy's going to be disappointed. <laughs> um, 32 games in a Kings uniform, six goals, eight assists, 14 points, signed with New York in the summer. Yeah. Actually, no, they, this was right before the lockout. He played for the Kings 03 04, 04 05, mm-hmm. no NHL season, 05 06, he signed with the Rangers and had 76 points. So it's just the Kings thing. Pretty good numbers, bro. 954 games, 257 Genos, 460 mm-hmm. assists, 717 points in 956 games. Good player. Right. Good player. When we when we picked him up from Pittsburgh, though, he was, you know, he was a couple seasons removed from a very very productive 95 points in 82 games in 2000 2001, um, and I think he'd had a few injuries in. 2001, 2002, because he only played 13 games. At 46 and 60 after that in 2002, 2003. Um, and then only 22 games before we picked him up in LA and wasn't doing too hot in Pittsburgh. So again, this is this is kind of the trouble with these uh, rentals, right? Like you, you're not sure what you're getting. Do you try to bring him back? You no know, one's really sure. Then you go into a lockout. But once you know it, Marty Straka stayed productive pretty much all the way until he decided he was done and then yeah. played in the Czech League for a few years. So good for him. Good for great, him. Great numbers in the Czech League. Mm-hmm. Good for him, man. All right. Episode. Yeah. Marty Straka, honorary, one and only. So any last thoughts before we go? Nope. Just excited for the... The home stretch here, yep. like we said, winnable games for the Kings. All they got to do is kind of stay afloat, really. It seems like um, win some important uh, divisional games, steal a couple from Edmonton, and they should be on their way. And hopefully, most importantly, let's get some guys back. Yeah. We, like I, you know, it sounds like Dowdy might be out till the playoffs. Last thing mm-hmm. I read, so. But Arvidsson should be back soon. Brendan Lemieux should be back soon. Um, so slowly but surely, the team will get back together, and hopefully the depth holds until yeah, until we we go into the second season. That's what we need. That's what we want, and we want the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. 
I challenge you, Oilers podcasters. I'm not sure to what, but we want you in the playoffs. <laughs> so use your powers of the airwaves to make it happen somehow. That's right. Well said, my friend. Well said. So until then, thank you everyone again for listening. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe, all those fun podcast things that everyone requests. Uh, Twitter interaction. We love it. Uh, we, we try to engage with everyone. Uh, even the ones who are mean to us sometimes so sad, but we like to communicate and we appreciate the banter. Um, until next time you can find us pretty much everywhere. Podcasts are curated. Uh, we are the Bannerman go Kings go. You've been listening to the Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.